take a sip. Let's go. Let's get ready. Let's get ready. Show starting. It's the Taste to Consider podcast. I'm your host, Derek Silver, and I'm back. We back once again, another show. Season two, I believe this is episode seven. You know, I'll never remember. <laughs> yeah, every time before I'm getting ready to record, I play the music, blast it, get myself hyped up, have a have a uh, an intro drink, so to speak, a pregame. I, yeah, that's what it. I'm tripping. It's been so long since I pregame for real, but yeah, I usually pregame before I record. You know, have a drink, start um, smoking a little bit, um, blast the music, get hyped up. But we here, we back. Another episode for you. Uh, it's this is gonna be a a very different episode for you guys <laughs> it's an episode that um i planned out season one but other stuff kept popping up for me to do to talk about instead of this episode so it's always been in the back burner it's always been on my my um topic list my show list episode list whatever um but now we here so i ain't gonna lie i'm, I'm real <laughs> i've been nervous about a lot of shows i did but in particular, this one is, is I'm very nervous about this one. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah, this is going to be an inter- interesting episode. But hey, um, I said from the first episode, Just to Taste Part 1, I said from Jump that, you know, I was going to be talking about everything, all the things that I watch, listen to, read, all that stuff, all the things about me. I'm going to be vulnerable as possible, and this episode is going to be very vulnerable. So it might make people feel uncomfortable, particularly um, guys, um, but it is what it is, man. I'm out here to to spill the truth, out here to spill the truth that I find out in doing reading, research, um, and my truth. So this this is a, is a collective of all those things, you know, this is a collective of my truth, truth in the world. Um, Things that we, you know, we just don't think about. Things that we we don't pay attention to. Things that's out there that, you know, don't really concern us because we see it just as a a way of life, an American way of life, a a way of thinking, a way of living. But man, forget that. We in 2020. We seen how all this stuff has been going down. All the truths that's been coming out. You know, all the things that's being revealed. You know, we gotta start opening our minds and and just start. Um, breaking away from that that collective thinking of you know what we've been told all these years we're gonna have to unlearn a lot of stuff and I'm part of that you know so you listen you learn you do your own research after that don't don't just don't even sit here while you listening and take my word for it you know take the information that I'm getting giving you and look it up for yourself because you you're always we're always going to look at things differently than you know, um, the next man or the next woman. Totally. You know, our perceptions are totally different. But, um, you know, it's been a, it's been a lot of stuff going on since the last time I've, I've recorded. 
Um, one thing that jumped out to me that I recently saw a couple of days ago was Biden talking about Trump is the first racist president. And I'm like, come on, man. Like, and this is and this is the crap that, you know, I've always talked about. And I've talked about this before, about the lesser of two evils and people, you know, particularly the the black community, African-American community, whatever, um, sit here and, and talk about how, you know, Biden is the lesser of two evils. But he is showing too many times that <laughs> he's on the same level as Trump. I mean, he's just more political with it than you know, uh, Trump is, he's more politically correct with his, his, (laughs) I don't even want to say the word. So I'm, I gotta find something else. He's just more politically correct with his nonsense than he, than Trump is, you know, but it's the same man, one in the same, you know, same privilege, same outlooks on life when they dealing with the people that they dealing with. But yeah, it just amazed me that he sat there and said that Trump is the first racist president, knowing that we had presidents that were slave owners. But it, it wasn't a surprise to me when I heard it, because um, I mentioned before how I went on a tour over at um, George Washington's uh, plantation or whatever. We're in the DMV, so it's like 20 minutes away from my house. And and I remember particularly like the the tour guide was given a tool on the slave portion of 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 that particular um area and she was basically sitting there not even sitting there she was standing there telling us that you know George Washington didn't want slavery but you know he did it because it was just the way that things were at that time so they was basically sitting there being apologists for George Washington and you know trying to make it seem like it was okay for him to have slaves or whatever. And then if you if you go research um George Washington uh there's a claim and I've looked this up and I've read all the stuff and the family actually has a website of it. George Washington had a had a son um that was biracial, that was black and that side of that that side of the family actually has a whole website where they you know um putting out the the information and the history of George Washington and how it came to be that he had this black son and stuff like that, so just go on Google all oh, this stuff is on the internet, man, just go on Google and look it up but yeah it was just it's just crazy that uh Biden was out here talking about Trump as the first racist president, and it just shows you how in the you know, how uh, detached these these people are, these politicians, and particularly white people, white people of privilege. They're just totally detached from the real world and stuff. But let me start out with uh, what I'm, well, not even start out, <laughs> but let me let you know what I'm drinking. I finally, finally got the Uncle Nearest bottle. <laughs> finally got the the bottle of Uncle Nearest 1884 small batch whiskey. Finally got it in the mail. And the crazy part about it was like a couple of weeks ago, I went into the liquor store to grab me grab me a bottle. I I wind up getting like some Jameson or something. Some, you know, small, some um cheap, not necessarily cheap, but you know, inexpensive. And you know, some that I'm used to drinking. So this liquor store is around the corner from my house. 
And I've been in there before and asked them, you know, do y'all have Uncle Nearest? And they said no. And I was like, well, y'all should get it. And it's um, the liquor store, they run by Asians. So I went in there a couple of weeks ago to get that Jameson. Was walking around the Diagon liquor store, you know, just seeing the different things they had. Because I wanted to try something different than I normally get. So I'm looking around. I look up at the top of the shelf. The damn Uncle Nearest is right there on the damn shelf. I was just in there a week ago from when I went in there to get the Jameson. So I'm like, I'm like, damn, y'all didn't even have this then. So I'm sitting here going through all the stuff that I'm going through with uh, Uncle Nerys and their distributor, Passion Spirits, and them sending it out through FedEx and stuff. And the liquor store around the corner from my house now sell it. Crazy. But you got to listen to the last episode if you didn't listen to it already. Just to taste part two. And hear the whole story of what was going on. But I finally got the <laughs> finally got the Uncle Nurse. And it's pretty good. It's it's good. I like it. Take a sip. Yeah, I like it better than I like um Jack Daniels. I, yeah, it definitely tastes better to me than um Jack Daniels. The cigar I'm smoking is called uh, Cuban Honey's Honey Cigar, Robusto. This is pretty good. This one in particular was wrapped real tight, and it's hard to get a, a good pull from it. But overall, the, the, the cigar is, is, uh, is real good. It's pretty good. I'll check it out next time. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good cigar. But like I said, it's hard to get a pull from it. And that's because this one in particular was, was wrapped pretty tight. So sometimes you get cigars like that that's wrapped real tight or they wasn't um, in a good environment to get the humidity where they loosened up enough. So this one is real tight, so it's hard to get a, a good pull from it. But it, it's it's pretty good. I like it. And it goes well with the whiskey. Um, this cigar got a honey taste to it. So it's not a strong cigar. Um, got a good taste on your lips, um, after you take a puff of it, so yeah, I like it, it's a good cigar, I'll try it again, <clears throat> hopefully I'll get one that was, it's a little better as far as the pull, but, yeah, other stuff in the news is, um, Tamar Braxton, uh, attempted suicide, and, um, Thankfully, she's okay, and, you know, everything is going good with her. Interesting thing, um, interesting story. I was uh, at my barber's house uh, Thursday getting my hair cut, and he was talking about how, um, he was just talking about, we usually talk about, you know, life and stuff like that. You, you know, if you're a guy, you know how, to, how those conversations go when you're in the barber shop and stuff, and. He was talking about, you know, life, talking about his, his dad that passed a couple of years ago. And he was talking about how his mom is still alive. And he mentioned his, his uncle. And he was like, you know, his uncle lost his wife a year ago. And then he lost his, his, his best friend, which was uh, my barber's father, lost him two years ago. And he said he was riding, riding around with his wife one day. And he was in the neighborhood where, well, he was in the area where his uncle lived. And he was saying to his wife, um, you know, I should stop past there. And he decided not to. And he was like two weeks later after that, 
after that happened, his his uncle wound up committing suicide. And it's just crazy, man, because it's like, you know, you never know what people going through. And when you have those instances to go check on somebody, to call somebody, to reach out to somebody, just do it. Because, you know, a lot of times that's like divine, you know, that's divine intervention. And he was saying, you know, you know, maybe if he would have went and checked on his his uncle, you know, his uncle probably would have second guessed, you know, taking his own life or whatever. But yeah, just when you have those those instances where you just get that feeling, that divine feeling to reach out to somebody, text them, call them, you know, just do it. You know, especially, you know, in those situations where y'all beefing or anything like that or y'all had a falling out, just just go ahead and reach out. You know, it's a simple text or anything, just just do it. Like, I usually go over my parents' house every Sunday now for dinner. I made that an effort for me to do it. Like, because they're in their 60s, their mid-60s, and, you know, who knows? You know, you just never know what's going to happen. And, and with things, how things have been going in 2020, you know, that's a clear example. You just never know what's going on. So, you know, reach out to your family, your friends and stuff like that. You know, just just check on people because it's... Like this year in particular, like like I've been saying on past shows and stuff, like this year in particular is making people sit with themselves and sit with their 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 issues and their problems and stuff. And some people just can't handle it. Some people don't know how to handle it. So check on people, man, because it's been a lot of people who've been uh, losing their life, committing suicide. It's, it's just it's, it's rough out here right now. Take another puff. Yeah, the cigar starting to pull a little bit. It's, you know, it's it's coming down. I'm smoking it down, so it's pulling a little better. So that's a good thing. But um, yeah, just checking on your people, man. Um, Kanye West has been in the been in the news uh, the past week or so, and you know, uh, he was sent, putting out a lot of tweets and stuff, um, a lot of things that was probably disturbing to people, disturbing to his family and things like that. You know, he's already come out and talked about how he's bipolar, <clears throat> excuse me, to go to burp. Y'all need, I need to start doing the burp counter or y'all need to start doing it. Start doing the burp ca- <laughs> counter and let me know how many burps that I've had during each episode. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, he went on a what they as they call a Twitter rant and you know was posting a lot of things and stuff like that. And the response from it was kind of disturbing to me because, you know, um you see people saying that, you know, he's nuts, um, he's crazy, or he's tripping, or he's just doing this for album sales and stuff like that. Because right after he was went through his Twitter rant and stuff, you know, he started talking about something he about to put out an album. And although, you know, I agree with I agree with, you know, the fact that, you know, he's probably doing this for attention and I've spoke about it before too, how he, you know, he has a big ego. He probably deals with narcissism and stuff. I feel like everybody deals with narcissism in some type of way, but, 
you know, being a celebrity, you have to have a big ego, particularly a rapper, you have to have a big ego. Um, so I feel like it's a combination of all things. I feel like it's a combination of his mental illness, his bipolar, him going through a manic episode. I feel like it's, it's his ego. I feel like it, it's narcissism. I feel like a lot of the stuff that he's saying is, is truthful, too. But it's just about how he's saying it, how he's coming across. You know, sometimes people can be telling the truth all day, but it's it's how you say things. So, you know, I feel like people, you know, a lot of times, you know, the argument it always is when it comes to celebrities about humanizing them. And and I agree with that. You have to humanize celebrities. But um, I also look at it as... it's very difficult to humanize celebrities at times because of how they conduct themselves, how they conduct themselves with their having big egos, being narcissistic and looking, you know, looking down on people and stuff like that. So it's, it's hard to humanize them at times. And particularly from the point of view of fans, it's hard to humanize them because, you know, if we want to admit it or not, we, you know, have a lot of. I, you know, we, we look at them as idols, you know, we look at them as gods as such. And, you know, that's, that's kind of a bad thing because we sit there and worship them. You know, if you go back and listen to my, my past episode from season one, which was, uh, who do you believe in? And I talked about celebrity worship and I talked about it as well on, uh, capitalism, but, um, yeah, a lot of times, us as fans and just as people who are not quote-unquote celebrities, uh, we look at, you know, celebrities as being above us, and we have to get out of that. You know, it's, like I said, it's hard to humanize them because of how they conduct themselves towards us, but at the same time, they are human, and just the fact of having empathy is, is a difficult thing for a lot of people because a lot of times, we don't even show empathy to ourselves, you know, uh, it's hard for us to be self-aware. So if we can't be self-aware and show empathy towards ourselves, it's hard to do that to another person. But, um, you know, I feel like it's a com. Like I said, I feel like it's a combination of all those things when it comes to Kanye. And, um, you know, to me, um, I got to the point now where it doesn't affect me as much to the point where I look at him like, oh, yeah, he's tripping and stuff like that because I'm more self-aware of the things that I've gone through with my depression in the past and my anxiety and stuff like that. But, you know, it still disturbs me when I see people look at him a certain way, and especially people who I, I know personally and how they look at him and the things that they say about him. When I um, analyze and I look at them certain, when I have a perception of them in a certain way based on the mirror aspect of me seeing certain self-destructive tendencies and mental illness in them from what I had. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, to each his own, you know, everybody got to do what they got to do and they perceive things the way that they want to perceive them. But, you know, that's just my point of view on it. And, yeah. <laughs> um, so this episode um, is going to be... This episode is going to be titled Circumcised Minds. (laughs) Circumcised Minds for the simple fact that I feel like, you know, um, in in life and particularly as a society, excuse me, we're just, 
our minds have been cut off from free thinking and doing our own research to things and stuff like that to the point where we're so programmed from the things that we've been taught from school to now to just from regular entertainment, from music, TV, movies and stuff like that. And the things that go on in the country, CNN, Fox News, political stuff and like that, you know, our minds have been circumcised and, you know, it ties into the whole aspect of the what I'm going to discuss now, which is which is personal to a degree, as well as um, something that just fell into my lap, which I knew once it fell into my, not, my lap, I was like, damn, I got to talk about this because it, it, it touched me in a personal way. And, you know, um, it's something that I dealt with over the years of, from being a kid all the way up to now and stuff like that. So <laughs> um, when was it? I guess it was... It was either last year, 2019, or late 2018, where um, I guess it was one of my telework days. I was chilling at home, and um, I was on Netflix, and I was just going through it. And like I've talked about before, I like watching documentaries, and I was going through the documentary section, and I, I came across this documentary and I like to watch a, like a lot of political documentaries as well. So I saw this documentary and the picture of it was the, the backdrop was the Capitol, the United States Capitol. And the title of the documentary said American Circumcision. So I'm like, damn, what's this about? This sounds like it's something serious right here. So in, in my mind, I'm looking at it, I'm like, damn, this is about to be about politics. They about to go, they about to go deep in on something. So... I started reading the caption, and it's, it was saying something about circumcision, and I'm like, circumcision, American circumcision, you know, like, what the hell is this about? <laughs> so, I was like, let me watch it. So, let me just come out and say it, all right? I'm a black male and I am not circumcised. If I had a camera here, this would have been the moment where I'd have turned my head and looked directly at the camera and said, I am not circumcised. <laughs> yeah, so okay, I'm not circumcised. And the crazy thing about that, matter of fact, let me let me let me just start off with this. Let me play a clip for y'all. It's funny too, man, like, it's funny when I have my son too, like when I have my son, you know, I'm in the hospital, my wife went to sleep, so uh, I'm holding him in my arms, first time I'm holding him, then he got the bed, he cut the umbilical cord, and the, and the hospital's giving me all this paperwork to sign, and I'm just signing, I'm not really reading it, then one, one piece of paper caught my eye, it was, a, it was a circumcision paper, right, and I was like, what is this, and I didn't know that when you have a boy, you have to get the hospital permission to circumcise your son, I thought that shit was automatic, you know, I know you'd ask me permission, just cut it, you know, I mean, for the longest time, I didn't know what a circumcision was, I thought I was born with this Darth Vader helmet. I ain't know I got cut as a baby. You know? You ever, you ever seen him circumcised dick? That's some weird looking shit, man. I remember the first time I saw him circumcised dick, right? I'm 17 years old. I'm in the military. My first day in boot camp. We in the shower. There's like 40 dudes in the shower. This dude walked in. I was like, what the fuck's wrong with his dick? 
<laughs> and it's not like I could look around and get a cosign or I can look at other dudes. Hey, you see his dick? You see his dick? I couldn't stop staring at him. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with his dick, man? He ain't got no helmet, man. He's missing his helmet, man. How the fuck does he pee? How does he pee? He ain't got no helmet, man. He's missing his helmet, guys. I couldn't stop staring at that shit, man. <laughs> you, want, you want to know what a circumcised dick looks like? You, you be driving on the highway and sees one of them used car lots and they got that shit flapping in the wind. <laughs> oh, shit. He got that used car lot dick. He got that 92 Hyundai. He got that 92 Hyundai dick, man. <laughs> I see a couple guys ain't laughing. It's cool, man. Don't even worry about it, man. Come on, get your shit numbed up. Early Christmas present. Cut that bitch. You know, you know what? I don't care if you laughed at that joke or not. What I do know is anybody seeing this show, when you drive by a used car lot, you're going to think of my ass. You're going to be in a heated argument with your wife. Man, fuck that. Fuck so funny. Sorry, man. Be getting to me, man. Be getting to me. Okay. That was uh, Gary, Gary Owen um, from a comedy special that he had, I Agree With Myself, and the, the title of that clip was Circumcision. And I just randomly found that because um, anybody know that listen to the show, I always try to find songs that relate to the topic at hand. So I was trying to find a song or something that dealt with circumcision, but I couldn't find nothing, but I saw that clip. But yeah. This this episode is mainly about circumcision. Circumcision. So, and like I said, I am not circumcised. And that joke, man, like this is stuff that I've heard for years. Like jokes about being uncircumcised for years. Not directed towards me, but just period. You, you hear that shit all the time. People joking about being uncircumcised on on TV, on TV shows, movies, shit. When niggas, people just, you know, um, <laughs> just joking around and stuff. People joke about not being circumcised. So, yeah, I thought that was just funny. And this, um, this episode... It's about circumcision. Like, <laughs> it took me a while to even, like, I had to go back and forth about whether I was going to do this episode or not. And this was back in season one, in the introductory stage of the podcast. <laughs> but, you know, we here. And like I said, the... um the title of the documentary is called American Circumcision. And I recommend everybody to watch this documentary. Seriously. Like American Circumcision. If you have a son, if you want to have a son, if you plan on having a son, watch this documentary. Seriously. And even for females because they touched on the female aspect, aspect of circumcision. But one of the the things that stood out to me most by watching this documentary was the fact that circumcision is the most common surgery in America. Yet Amer America is the only industrialized country in the world to routinely 
practice non-religious infant circumcisions. Crazy. Like, so why is America, excuse me, why is America practicing circumcision for non-religious purposes? Because on the religious side, if you don't know, Jewish and Muslim religions practice circumcision. And if you don't know, circumcision is the surgical removal of the foreskin on the penis. <laughs> so I sat there and watched that documentary a couple of years ago, a year ago, whenever. And at that moment, I wasn't sitting there taking notes or anything. I was just sitting there taking in all the information. So I had to watch the, the documentary again in order for me to sit down, take notes on certain things that I was going to point out that I felt was important. But like I said, I recommend everybody to watch this documentary. If you have a male child, if you're a male period, if you plan on having a male child, watch it. Even if you're a woman, watch it. Like I said, they touched on the woman, the woman aspect of it. So they touched on both sides of this argument of circumcised versus uncircumcised. And the people who were against circumcision, they're called intactivists. And they, they're intact. Their whole approach to things is intactivism. And, you know, they believe that it, it violates human rights, um, that, you know, a person should decide for themselves and, and not the parents on whether they should be circumcised or not. And it says, let me look up the actual definition of intactivism, intactivist or intactivism. Um... Let me see. Uh, it says intactivist. This is on the Urban Dictionary. I'll read other other forms of the uh, definition as well. But this is this one right here is coming from the Urban Dictionary. Intactivist: someone who loves, honors, respects, and protects the rights of the child to an intact body. Someone who sees genital mutilation of girls or boys as a contradiction to that fundamental human right. Okay. And this one comes from uh, Wiki. The advocacy of a right to genital integrity, i.e. the right of a person to not be subjected to involuntary, non-therapeutic modification of their genitals. This includes opposition to infant male circumcision and female circumcision. And may also extend to supporting protection of intersex people against involuntary gender reassignment and other non-therapeutic genital surgeries. So that's the definition for intactivist and intactivism. And like I said, do your own research as well. But yeah. I didn't know that this was such a big thing. Like after I watched that documentary, I just started going on Google and then I just fell down the rabbit hole. It is so much stuff on this. It's so much stuff on the fight against 
circumcision. And going down this rabbit hole, you know, um, I found out so much information about foreskin and what they actually use foreskin for. So let me read some of the things that they use foreskin for. Stimulating hair growth. It says the basic function of neonatal fibroblast cells taken from an infant foreskins after they are circumcised is to keep things together and stimulate cell growth. Fibroblasts taken from any human create strong bonds, but fibroblasts taken from infants are much stronger. And what's interesting about that is if if you've gone down the rabbit hole of looking up stuff with um, sex trafficking, child sex trafficking and stuff like that. And this keyword right here, if you decide to look it up, it's called adrenochrome. Adrenochrome is something that they claim the elite, which is Hollywood people, people in power and stuff, use to keep themselves looking young. And they get this from children. And if you go down the rabbit hole, they'll say that's why all these kids and stuff come up missing and stuff like that. Because they're taking the adrenochrome, which comes from the, the blood of children to that they drink to keep themselves young. And like I told you, I'm going to throw all this stuff out there because I just got to be me. I just got to be me on this podcast. So I'm going to throw all this stuff out there. My Twitter handle is Habitual Line Stepper. <laughs> and that's what I am. I'm a habitual line stepper. I challenge everything. I challenge other people. I challenge theories. I challenge facts. I challenge myself. I'm a habitual line stepper. Because I just feel like that we can't go off on everything that we're being told, especially for, by, especially as a as a black person, a black male. I can't I can't listen to everything that I'm being told or that I was told in the past from schools or our government. <laughs> but um, back to the list. It's also used to create stem cells. And it says uh, the stem cells are used to treat and prevent certain medical conditions by replacing specific damaged cells. Scientists have found that foreskin cells can act as feeder cells to grow embryonic stem cells. Another way that is used that um, circumcised foreskins are used is facial cream. So ladies... You've probably had foreskin all on your face. <laughs> and it says, as weird as it sounds, many people are using facial creams made with human foreskin. These creams are said to improve the health and appearance of a person's skin. Many of them claim to increase the firmness of skin while reducing wrinkles as well. And that goes back to what I was just talking about with the adrenochrome. And that's why it, when I started looking this stuff up and I found... I found these these articles and these lists and stuff. And I'm like, it makes sense to me now because when it comes to America, everything is about capitalism. Capitalism. Everything is a big business. Next on the list is restoring aging or damaged damaged skin. Many people seek out Botox injections to tighten up their skin and appear more youthful. 
But Botox has a number of side effects and the benefits don't last forever. A new injection of foreskin derived cells which claims to be able to smooth wrinkles and even repair skin damage has been used by celebrities such as Kate Blanchett and Oprah. And like I said, the elite. A lot of celebrities and stuff that they say that they deal, they deal and dabble into this sex trafficking. And you got the stuff out here with Jeffrey Epstein and his girlfriend that's been arrested recently. And all the when you go down the rabbit hole, you hear all types of names. Hillary Clinton, Bill Gates, all of them. When it comes to this adrenochrome. And particularly people in Hollywood with this adrenochrome and... Um, Drinking the, the blood or drinking the adrenochrome from children in order to keep themselves looking youthful. And Lady Gaga in it and all that. Just I mean, just look the stuff up. But um, back to the list. Product testing. People are becoming more and more concerned with the ethical treatment of animals. Fortunately, there are many alternatives to animal testing, including testing on foreskins. Products like shampoos and makeup can be tested on animals in order to see how skin will react. But unsurprisingly, a lot of consumers object to animal testing. However, these same tests can be done on foreskins. This type of testing comes with its own ethical issues, but it does reduce the potential harms to animals and elicits better results because, after all, it's human skin. So in turn, they don't want to harm animals, but they're harming babies by cutting their foreskin off but we'll go deeper once i go more into the conversation another thing on the list is treating bed sores and diabetes ulcers bed sores or pressure sores are common among certain types of hospital patients patients that are confined to a hospital bed or wheelchair are at risk of developing these painful skin ulcers but with the use of cells taken from donated foreskin, doctors are able to generate skin patches that can be surgically applied to these open wounds. Another thing on the list, creating bioengineered skin for burn victims. People with severe burns often require skin grafts to repair their damaged skin. Traditional skin grafts often utilize the skin from other parts of the person's body. However, people with extensive or widespread burns don't necessarily have the amount of skin available that is needed to cover the, cover the damaged skin. This is where researchers begin looking for bioengineered alternatives. The cells derived from foreskin is a fantastic option for growing new skin cells that can benefit these individuals. And that's the end of the list. And one of the things that I thought about doing this episode, I was like, damn, once I do this episode and people hear it, particularly people that I know, that this is going to open up more stuff for me to get talked about and stuff like that. Because growing up as a kid and like that joke that Gary Owen said, I mean, that was familiar to me because when I was a little kid in elementary school and stuff like that, going to the bathroom and stuff, like I saw another kid's region. And I'm like, it don't look the same as mine. So what's really going on? And as I got older, I learned the difference, circumcised, uncircumcised, and stuff like that. So I had to go through situations where, like, I felt bad about my body. I felt bad about my body because of the way it looked. It was different and stuff like that down in that area. 
And this is stuff that was talked about in the documentary and stuff as well. And there would be times where, as a kid, I heard people joking about it and stuff like that. And for one thing, as me as an adult right now, I'm looking at it like, damn, how the hell would kids even know about all this anyway? But they did. And <laughs> they was joking about it and stuff. And me knowing that I'm different and I have an uncircumcised penis. So inside, I'm feeling bad as hell. But on the outside, you know, I'm trying to laugh and stuff like that. So, so I won't, you know, blow my cover cover so to speak <laughs> but yeah it's <laughs> this is what I had to deal with you know all my life and stuff like that and even like in high school it it, it got worse as far as you know people joking about it and stuff like that so I had to keep a, a straight face I had to laugh and go along with the jokes and stuff like that but knowing at the same time that I was uncircumcised and it was, it was crazy, like in high school and stuff, I would hear girls talk talk about it and laugh and stuff like that. But, <laughs> and I would feel bad, but it would be funny, like, because then some of the girls who would joke and laugh about it and stuff, I mean, we are grown. I, I <laughs> you know, I had sexual relations with these women, but... It was like, so nothing wasn't wrong once they got with me and we got to the point where, you know, <laughs> we were being sexual. <laughs> and, you know, when I got into my 20s and stuff like that, I had a, you know, it was a stigma around that, still jokes and stuff like that. So I used to be, have anxiety around, you know, being intimate sexual for woman or whatever and her seeing like me being uncircumcised and stuff like that but you know once the the encounter happened I'm talking like Will and Jada the entanglement happened <laughs> you know everything was fine there weren't no jokes or nothing like that the women liked me had feelings for me and stuff like that so you know I got over the anxiety you know and as I grown older and older and stuff like that you know, I don't care. I can care less because of the plenty of experience that I've gone through where my anxiety and my fears were like totally wrong as to what the real situation was. But there's definitely a lot of situations out there where that stigma is thrown, the jokes are thrown, and you'll have anxiety and fear. So I'm pretty sure other uncircumcised men have had the same issues that I've had. Well, of course they do, because I watched it on the, the documentary. But, yeah, I'm just going to go through, like, a list of notes that I've taken. They might not all be in order, but, you know, this stuff, while I was watching the documentary that I wrote down and stuff like that, and when I first watched the documentary, one, you know, one thing that resonated with me and stood out to me a lot was the fact that they said that five of the most sensitive parts or nerve endings of the penis are part of the foreskin and are removed when you're circumcised. And I remember growing up as a kid and stuff like that, that, you know, down there, it was always so sensitive. It was to the point where it was ticklish. Like I was ticklish down there. You know, it was real sensitive. <laughs> and you know, this is stuff that other some of the other guys on the documentary talked about as well that were uncircumcised. 
And I just, <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> like I said, if I had a camera here, I would look in this camera right now and be like, Mama, thank you for not circumcising me. <laughs> and it's, um, it's crazy because I thought about calling my mother and asking her, like, why didn't y'all get, why you and dad ain't get me circumcised? And I remember asking before in the past when I was younger, but I just felt uncomfortable calling her now at 38 years old, asking her something like that. But from what I, what I think I remember is that she said that they didn't get me circumcised because of how much it cost or money issues or something like that. So I don't know. But I know I've, I've, I've researched certain things after watching the documentary and like... Um, once you have a child or whatever, you, you actually have to bring them back to get circumcised. Um, this is what I've researched and what I've heard from other people. So I don't know. This is what happened with everybody who had a had a, a, a boy. But this is what I've heard. So, you know, I know a lot of people say they just didn't go back. So, you know, or it's situations where the father wasn't circumcised or the father was circumcised. So that's why they made the decision. Or it's just because, like I said, it's the American way. They know everybody else does it in America. So they're going, you know, they've been doing it as well. And this goes back to what I'm talking about as far as the title of the, the episode, Circumcised Minds. We, our minds are so cut off from free thinking and researching and doing our own um, research into things that go on in, in this country and in the world period that we just follow along with the the quote unquote norm or or the the American way. Um let me look at the list. Yeah, it's it's it was a good documentary. I, I have to say that it was a good documentary and like I said, it was it was particularly good for me because you know of course I resonated with it, but I feel like Anybody who has a boy or plan to have a boy or expecting a boy, look at this documentary because what they do is, 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 it is not good. They strap the baby down in this, in this kind of like device. They strap the baby down in some type of device. And if you go on Google, excuse me, if you go on Google and look up, circumcision tools or circumcision table you'll see all of it it makes no sense the type of tools that they use to circumcise a baby the tools are damn near bigger than an adult male's you know <laughs> penis and the they use clamps and stuff and the pressure that they were saying that these clamps hold they say a thousands of pounds of pressure that these clamps put on a baby's penis when they circumcise, circumcise them. I mean, this is mutilation. And they showed the procedure on the documentary, but they, they um, blacked out the, the actual uh, body part of the baby, of course, because, you know, that's going too far. That's child pornography. But the screams and the cries from the baby when they're doing this, and even, the, you know, despite the fact that some doctors use um, anesthesia and some doctors don't. And their thinking was that infants don't feel anything. And that goes back to like even when you think about when doctors talked about how black people don't feel anything, particularly black women when they're giving birth. And, you know, with the 
the, the spike in, in black women deaths when it comes to giving birth because doctors don't take their pain seriously. And there's a lot of doctors that, that actually came on and said that actually do the circumcision procedures. And they, they said that, you know, there are no valid medical indications for circumcision in the, the neonatal period. Basically saying that there's no reason for, for them to even circumcise a baby once they're born or, after, you know, after they're born. You know, this, this is something that can be done later on in life if the male chooses to do this. And like I said, just looking up stuff, I was going down the rabbit hole and all that other stuff. And, and like I already talked about how, you know, they use foreskin for facial cream and stuff like that. And they have, put, they have specialized facials where they actually use just the foreskin from a penis. And so what came up was how much was foreskin worth? And it was all types of numbers that was thrown out there. The highest number I saw was $100,000 of what foreskin is worth. And just basic hundred, hundreds of dollars, $600, $800 of what foreskin is worth to uh, cosmetic companies and like research and stuff like that. And that's why I say like you got to question everything when it comes to America, our country. Because everything... When it deals with this country, is about capitalism. It's always an, an end game to the things that goes on in this country when it comes to uh, any type of um, medical procedure or um, the many medications that's out here when you have certain doctors getting paid by uh, company uh, prescription companies to push certain medicines and stuff like that. Even like with me going through with uh, my mental illness in the past when I was going through depression and how I was taking medication for depression in the past and how certain doctors were trying to push certain medications on me because they would get paid for, you know, uh, giving out those samples or giving out that prescription and stuff like that. So it's like an end game for everybody. Everybody plays a role in this, in, in this game. Yeah. <laughs> so, like I said, thank you, mama and daddy, for not circumcising me. <laughs> um, but going back to like the the religious aspect of you know circumcision, and when it comes to the Jewish community and Muslim community and stuff like that, they look at it as a sacrifice um, to God, their faith to God. And I don't want to go too deep into that because you know it's just too much, but if you just look up circumcision and religion and stuff like that, they'll talk about the certain Bible verses that's spoken about circumcision. Um, and it's, it's way more verses in the Bible about circumcision not being a requirement for God than it is for. But when it comes to religious texts and stuff like that and how um, people use it and manipulate it in power structures and stuff like that, and you know how that goes. And that, that uh, a perfect example is slavery. <laughs> but um, yeah, I can see why a lot of religious people will look at it, religious communities will look at it as being a sacrifice for God and stuff like that, you know. But 
Yeah, it's a lot. So when it comes to like that aspect, you know, that's their prerogative. That's their tradition. That's their rituals and stuff like that. You know, I'm to me, like being an uncircumcised man, it's like it's either here nor there to me because, you know, I understand that it's people's traditions and rituals and stuff like that. But I know once I have a son, he's not going to be circumcised. You know, to each his own, and people have their own uh, values and morals when it comes to that. But <laughs> part of the documentary, you know, they gone into the, they went into the history of circumcision, and they said that you know circumcision has evolved from what it was in the biblical times, and um, How it started off, it, it started off in England. Circumcision began to stop boys from masturbating. <laughs> and they thought that, you know, if you, if you circumcise, circumcise boys, that it would take away that desire and that urge from them to, for them to masturbate. Which is interesting um, when it comes to uh, other stuff that they talked about in the the documentary when it comes to um, sexual, um, the, what's the word, um, sexual arousal and stuff like that when it comes to circumcised males versus uncircumcised males. And, and like I say, you know, the religious community, they do it for, you know, their religious reasons and, and you you can find the the bible verses and stuff that say that the circumcision really has no value when it comes to god and stuff like that but the reason that they thought that circumcision would well that they should use circumcision to prevent masturbation is because they felt that masturbation cause diseases <laughs> and this is still the crazy thing about it is this is still an argument today so it's like this is what this is what it comes down to when i talk about circumcised minds and us just following behind things that's that have been done for years or tradition and stuff like that the, the same concept the same thought is still going on today from when it when circumcision first began in England that they felt like if you circumcise a boy that it will prevent him from having sexual diseases or diseases period penile cancer UTIs STDs stuff like that HPV and in a documentary they talked about all the studies that was done and stuff like that and how the community that's pushing for circumcision, you know, their statistics and stuff were were uh, skewed to make things look as though that circumcision is a good thing. But when you actually go down to the the real n numbers and statistics of men uh, getting STDs or any type of penile cancer or UTIs was totally not accurate. Like when it comes to penile cancer, they were, say, they were saying that, you know, that's something that if it does happen, a male will catch in his, in his later stages when he's elderly. 
and UTIs that, you know, women are more prone to catching, to having a UTI than men are, particularly uncircumcised men and stuff like that. And even when it came down to HIV and AIDS and stuff like that, that they found that <laughs> they found that uncircumcised men um, had more instances where they didn't have HIV because of they were circumcised, but when they went deeper into the study, the reason why they didn't have diseases is because they were using condoms. <laughs> so, like, yeah, of course, you won't have you won't have a disease if you practice in safe sex. It's just it's just wild that the way that people have been manipulating. And the crazy thing about when I talk about uh Bill Gates, Hillary Clinton, and stuff like that, they featured them at at a point of the documentary and show how they were giving speeches. Hillary Clinton and Bill Gates on why circumcision is good and why it should be done. And these two people aren't medical physicians. They aren't medical doctors or anything, but they're campaigning for this and saying how great it is to do. And this goes back to when I was talking about them and with the um, using that the facial cream and the adrenochrome and stuff like that. And it's just like a rabbit hole you run down when you actually start doing research. But, um, and, you know, they talked about a lot about how, you know, a lot of those statistics and stuff like that, that they use as scare tactics or whatever, you know, and the benefits of circumcision are a radical solution. Like, you know, if a, 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 the only thing that an uncircumcised man got to do is practice safe sex and, and wash yourself. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Have good hygiene. What's the problem? Like, that was something that was placed upon me as a child to have good hygiene. Particularly for me being an uncircumcised male. And just period. So you telling me that, you know, uncircumcised circumcised males out here just going to the bathroom and stuff like that ain't wiping themselves you know what i'm saying so this is the type of things that they imply that you know you can just since you since you are circumcised you ain't gotta worry about washing yourself and stuff like that you know i'm i'm very um particular about you know being good hot having good hygiene and stuff like that so that's not a problem for me but they insinuate these things and make it seem like you know oh since you circumcised, you can go out here and have unprotected sex and you'll be safe from HIV, UTIs, penile cancer and stuff like that. That's, that's the narrative that they try to push out there. <laughs> you ain't got to worry about having good hygiene. You ain't got to worry about, you know, washing yourself after you use the bathroom <laughs> and stuff like that. And it's, it's funny because they talked about like, which is, which is strange, but not a surprising thing that it, I've heard was that they did controlled trial studies in Africa to see if circumcision could reduce HIV transmission. And they did this for like two years. And it's, it's crazy how they always seem to find or go to Africa or find black people to do these trials and these studies and stuff on. But that's a whole nother thing like that. 
But it got to the point where they hyped these men in Africa up so much that they looked at it like, you know what I'm saying, since they, since it's been, this narrative been pushed out there that, you know, I need to go, I need to go ahead and get circumcised so I don't have to use a condom. They actually said that's what people, the men in Africa started doing once they start pushing this narrative out there and they start doing these trials and stuff. That since they're circumcised or let me go get circumcised so I ain't got to use condoms. Mind boggling. Uncircumcised minds right there. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm talking about right here. That's why when it comes to this topic and this title, Uncircumcised Minds, it, it goes along with everything. It's pun intended with the title. But... um. Like I was saying with the the studies and the trials and stuff like that, you know, a lot of the a lot of the studies and the trials that was going on and the statistics that was going on for the people who were for circumcision, a lot of their results were relative results, which you know was predictive results or assumptions. But the actual or the absolute results are being passed over or looked over. And that's where, when I look at it, I'll be like, you know what I'm saying, there's something deeper to this. There's money behind this. That's why they want people to have their kids, their male sons, to, to be circumcised. Because they're using this foreskin. <laughs> we see it now. I've just, I've just laid it out. They, it's, it's been admitted that they use foreskin, penile foreskin, and facial creams. This is big business. This is money right here. This is capitalism. And they say that a lot of the um, people that is full circumcision, a lot of the a lot of the doctors that are full circumcision, they try to equate circumcision to a vaccine. So if you go ahead and like I've been saying, if you go ahead and get circumcised, you're going to be um, less less susceptible to HIV penile cancer, um, UTI, stuff like that. That's crazy, man. Crazy. But the alarming thing about all of this is the fact that America has the highest HIV rate in the world, especially compared to countries that don't practice circumcision. A lot of European countries don't practice circumcision and stuff like that. And particularly a lot of countries um, that have poor people that you don't have the quote-unquote colonizers or the mission the mission groups going to to do these trials and these studies and one of the things that resonated with me most was the when they start talking about sensation and how, you know, uh, men who are uncircumcised have a greater sensation, have better sex, have better orgasms than men who, who aren't, who are circumcised. And they were saying that a lot of the men who are circumcised, that because of their, their um, body part is exposed, that is exposed to the airs, exposed to elements rubbing up against your uh, underwear, your jeans and pants and stuff like that, that, 
your that that portion of the skin, the penis head, gets has to evolve and get to the point where it toughens up to sustain feeling sensitivity or any type of pain being exposed like that. And they talked about how a lot of circumcised men aren't able to have orgasms and how they aren't able to have sex or and a lot of them lose feeling in in that in that area. And I was just thinking, oh like, oh my goodness, thank you. <laughs> thank you, I ain't circumcised. Because they talked about how a lot of uh uncircumcised men are able to have full body orgasms and stuff like that. And and that's something that I can attest to. Like it's a difference between actually ejaculating and having an orgasm. And I can say I know the difference between me having an orgasm, particularly a full body orgasm, and just ejaculating. There is definitely a difference. Just like women say that, you know, they don't always have an orgasm and stuff like that. Men don't men don't always have orgasms. It's probably men out here that ain't never had no orgasm. They probably circumcised. <laughs> and they talked about and they went into showing diagrams and stuff about all the nerves and stuff that's in the foreskin and how the foreskin is actually needed because it's part of a it's part of the it's a moving part of sex of engaging in sex. Like the foreskin going with the penis. I know this is graphic, but man, we we're adults and this is this is information. Y'all gotta pay attention to this information. <laughs> but yeah, it's a it's a moving part of having sex. It's it serves as a gliding motion, a, a gliding mechanism to you know go in and out of the vagina. You know, this it's all part of, you know, just like everything. Everything serves a purpose in life. Everything serves a purpose in life. You know, we get into all this stuff of people changing their bodies and stuff and, and getting rid of things. And everything on your body serves a purpose. The, your eyelashes, the hair in your nose, the hair in your ear, your mustache, your beard, your pubic hair serves a purpose. You know, like... Everything on your body serves a purpose, your nails and stuff like that. Everything serves a purpose. And they were saying that, you know, that having that foreskin de- decreases the, the, the friction between a male and a female. It's both good for the male and the female when it comes to the friction aspect and even lubrication aspect. So I feel sorry for y'all circumcised dudes. I'm just going to say, you know what I'm saying? Uh us uncircumcised dude about to start making jokes about y'all, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> y'all missing out. Y'all missing out on them good orgasms right there. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Like they say, um, a lot of men who've been circumcised, they lose that, that main erogenous zone by having that foreskin cut off. And they talked about a particular guy who was trying to have kids with his wife and he couldn't have them because he had no feeling down there. So if he had no feeling, it was hard for him to, you know, ejaculate and to produce a, a, a child, produce sperm to have a child. And it got to the point where it's this thing, it's this thing out now. They have a whole um, organization for this. Um, what's it called? Um, 
foreskin, foreskin restoration, foreskin restoration, where men who have been circumcised, they actually sell devices for this, for them to, to reproduce foreskin from the cut part portion of their um, previous foreskin as a child, <laughs> whatever. Man, like it's 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 a lot. Like I'm telling you, like I wasn't even able to do like extensive research on it because it's so much stuff. So like I always say, I'm just giving y'all a taste. I'm just giving y'all a taste, and y'all do y'all own research after that. But um, like I said, they talked about um women's circumcision as well. They they interviewed a couple of women on there. And the women were African women, and then they, they spoke about the African aspect of them doing their female circumcision and stuff like that. And a lot of the arguments that they use for males have, being circumcised when it comes to preventing diseases and stuff like that, they, use, they try to use for women as well. And, but one thing that a lot of a lot of people had issues with on the documentary, which that I agree with is that they show more outrage for the women being circumcised than they do men. And that goes back to the old, same old stigma when it comes to mental illness and stuff like that, that men are stronger, men, you know, this don't affect men and stuff like that, toughen up, this shouldn't, you know, be a problem for you. But it's a lot of men on there that actually had a lot of mental phobias and mental illness around being circumcised they had resentment toward their 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 parents for getting them circumcised as a baby they had resentment towards doctors and stuff like that they didn't have trust in doctors and and uh, they had a, a form of ptsd from this you know once they once they found out about the the horrors of circumcision <clears throat> but um one of the the, the tough things about like with any type of surgery, there's always some type of risk when it comes to surgery. And like I already said, they said circumcision is the most common surgery in America. The most common surgery in America. So with any surgery, there's going to be issues. And one thing they talked about, and I looked up the pictures and stuff like that, man, it's called concealed penis. Concealed penis, and it's, it's, it's from botched circumcisions. And there's other types of um, um, complications from babies being circumcised and the complications that they have at adults. Like I told you already that the guy about him having no feeling down there and other guys losing feeling as they get older and having concealed penises. And this stuff you can look up concealed penises where the doctors cut too much skin or they cut portions of the penis and it's swelled up to the point where the penis sunk inside. I know this is graphic, but man, this this real. And like I said, I'm habitual line stepper. And if it was a camera right now, you would see me moving my fingers a line right here. Habitual line stepper. And I will test it. <laughs> but yeah, it's crazy. The complications behind that. And this and they and it's plenty like they had protesting in DC and stuff. They were showing protests that they was having um, for the in, 
intactivism and stuff like that. This is like a real thing. And it's, it made me feel better. <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying? Like I already said, I got over it as being an adult, but it definitely made me feel better that, you know, like I'm not the only one. And I already know I'm not the only one, but um, it just made me feel better that, you know, like that this is a real thing. This ain't something everybody's sitting out here telling these jokes and stuff like that, but this is a serious issue. And this goes back to the title, Circumcised Minds. Like we, we joke about a lot of stuff. We joke about circumcision. We joke about STDs. We joke about mental illness. We joke about anything when it comes to physical and mental health. We joke about that stuff, but this shit is real. But we're so conditioned and programmed to see things the way that they want us to see them, taking on the narrative that they want us to have instead of doing the research for ourselves that there's people out here that's really suffering and really going through bad things. It's really bad. But I'm an uncircumcised male. I'm proud of it. I, I mean, I can care less. Anybody got a problem with it, that's their problem. Even though nobody has had a problem with it yet, I feel like I'm in a good position because I have what God gave me. <laughs> I have what God gave me. And, you know, like I said, I'm just giving you a taste. So... You do your own research. I'm going to end the podcast here. Like I told you, I'm going to talk about everything. I'm a habitual line stepper. <laughs> it's, it's your host, Derek Silver. You can catch me on Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, Stitcher. And I'm not back on YouTube yet because I haven't been videotaping, but it don't matter. Just when you listen to me, close your eyes and visualize. Visualize the words that I speak to you. <laughs> but yeah, check out the um the Uncle Nearest small batch whiskey is real good. I haven't purchased the uh, actual um black owned cigar yet, but this Uncle Nearest 1884 small batch whiskey is is black owned. It's owned by a uh, a black female. They have a um, they have a place in um in in Tennessee where you can go on a tour and everything. You can look it up. You can follow them on Instagram. I'm doing promo for them, and they probably won't do promo for me, but it is what it is. I'm going to support people no matter what. You you do what you got to do. Um, I appreciate all the love, all the feedback that everybody sent me. You know what I'm saying? Follow me on Instagram, A Taste to Consider Podcast. Um, also, greatest.i.am.blog. My blog, greatestiamblog.com. I got some good things coming to you um when they get here you'll see i'm gonna leave it at that um august is coming up um i plan to have a couple of guests in august so i'm still working that out so you know what i'm saying i look forward to having those guests here i look forward to those conversations i look forward to putting that information out there i love y'all i'm gonna end it with a clip and i'll try to find the song but you know here we go with this clip Nurse, you know that baby in there, baby Philip? Cancel the circumcision. Who are you? I just might be his father. I don't know what that means. We're gonna circumcise him. <laughs> and that was from the office. That was Dwight. <laughs> I love the office. But well, let me see him find a song. Let me just 
Let me just pop on something on my playlist. Um, ah, let me see, let me see. I gotta end y'all with some music because the music is a part of me. Music is um is one of my most consistent grounding tools. If you don't know what grounding is, look grounding up. I use music, particularly R&B music, to ground me anytime I'm feeling down or if I'm feeling off or anything. If I'm not out there putting my feet to the grass to ground, which is called earthing. If I'm not meditating to ground myself, if I'm not drinking some tea to ground myself, I listen to R&B music and that's always clutch for me. So let me just scroll through my playlist and see where my finger lands. Okay, it's landing here. John Legend, PDA. We just don't care. It's a real good song, bro. Real good song. Take a sip on a Saturday night. It's 1023 right now. Um, I gotta find some food after I edit this episode. Let's go to the car. I wanna kiss you underneath the stars. Maybe we'll go too far. We just don't care. We just don't care. We just don't care. You know I love it when you're loving me. I don't like too much of John Legend stuff, but I mess with this song right here. I like the video too. If I like the video of a song before I actually hear the song. And I like the video, I will like the song because I'm so much of a visual person. And like I said, I have to talk through the song every now and then because of the copyright issues and stuff like that. So streaming stuff, so I gotta talk through the song every now and then. But here you go. Sexy song right here, don't y'all agree? <laughs> I'll be trying to act like I'm a fake DJ. thing I forgot to mention also is that babies have actually died from circumcision and I ain't mean to jumping through the song and excuse me and be a Debbie Downer but I'd had to say that I had to mention that because like I say there's always comp complications with surgery and there have been deaths of children because of circumcision and 
one in particular that they documented on the documentary was this boy that uh, died from circumcision and the doctors tried to blame it because he died due to the fact that he had he got uh, anesthesia but then they was on the documentary like well if y'all didn't have him getting the circumcision when they needed the anesthesia so either way he died because of circumcision <laughs> gotta be careful with these narratives man we gotta get out of we gotta get out of this circumcised minds thing you know what i'm saying we, society has got our minds cut off so much that we don't even think for ourselves we just we just take whatever they give us and run with it but nah we have a right to know and understand everything that goes on and it's so easy to get information these days Taste to Consider Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Derek Silver. God bless y'all. Love y'all. Peace.